Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1234 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you on today's edition of Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, or Taylor that Oilers Now sent you. By the way, a great spot for uh, if you're thinking about doing a staff Christmas party. You know the food's right. Well, the spot's just as good at Roos Chris. All right, pleased to be joined on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by today's headliner for Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your safety training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. It is NHL insider John Shannon joining us via the tie line. So just to peel back the curtain for a moment, we're trying to get this going over the internet so it sounds nice and clear for you, but failing that, we will get John over the phone. But let's try it out. John, how's it going today? Good, Brandon. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, thank you. So uh, the game on Saturday afternoon, typically those early starts have been shown to bite the Oilers. I liked how they started. They gave up the first goal, responded almost immediately with Jujar Kara, and then moved forward uh, for the next little stretch of hockey or or really two periods. Then it all fell apart in the third. Uh, what, what was your take there on the weekend? Well, you know, first of all, the other side plays the game, too. Uh, and Dallas has become, uh, I think, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Uh, and you can see that when, you know, there are guys like Jamie Benn, who only scored his second goal of the season. Uh, and this team is now, I think, 10-1-1 uh, and in its last 12. I mean, that's how good things are for them. Uh, you know, there, it, there's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, I think, in this game, more so than any other, more so than... The, the interesting thing is, with as great a game as Thursday was, they probably learned more by losing on Saturday. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with a team 
you know, taking something and taking some solace in a single point out of that loss uh, and knowing full well that they, they can't take 40 minutes and think that they're going to win a game. And, and, you know, we still forget at times how young some of these guys are and at times how it's difficult to maintain focus for 60 minutes. That was my assessment too, John. It just seemed like by the time the third period rolled around, you had a veteran team there that knew how to push and, and, and started really taking them to task a little bit. And it was as close to a playoff game as I've seen them play this year so far. I think Dave Tippett echoed that sentiment afterwards. Um, but this is the kind of game that come March, like he said, they're going to have to learn how to win as well. This is the kind of road bump you can have early in the season, but later on, you've got to be able to win that one, right? That's right. And, and you know, the fact that it's in November and not in March, I think is uh, something that you can say, okay, I'm, I'm happy to accept that. Um, but at the same time, you know, and the fact that uh, Kara got the two goals, uh, there wasn't a total reliance on, on Leon and Connor, I think is important for this organization uh, as it grows. And there's so much growing to be done still. Uh, when you look at uh, the, 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 uh, the positive and the negative yes, uh, on Saturday of what Ethan Bear did, you know, how, how much he's grown and how much he will continue to grow. Uh, and as good as he was in the first half of the game, uh, they found a couple of uh, uh, times in the third period to take advantage of his inexperience. So from that perspective, I think you can only take learning out of a game like this and, and losing a lead like they did. Chatting with... Uh NHL insider John Shannon here. I guess it's not the River Creek Resort Casino hotline, but uh, typically it would be on there. So, John, um, having said all that, like Ethan Bear on the power play, he looks like he should be a fixture. Just based on the way that he sees the ice, I really like his vision coming out of his own zone on breakouts. I like how he sees things on the power play. Maybe not a first unit guy yet, but a second unit guy for sure. And I'm looking at him as a top four defenseman now and moving forward really as long as they want him to be, assuming that he doesn't get overwhelmed by games like we just had against Dallas. I mean, do you think that he's as legit as he's appeared to be through the first 22 games? Oh, I think he's legit for sure. I, top four might be pushing it a little bit, Brendan, at this point. I think that that might be the hope in the end. Uh, I think when you when you look at what what he he, he is and he's becoming, um, in many ways, he's becoming the new prototypical defenseman in the National Hockey League. You know, there's it's not the the hulking six foot four. Uh, king of the body check and rough him up and use your uh, your long arms for uh, uh, for a wingspan uh, but his ability to move the puck his vision his positioning which is much more uh, complimentary this season than it was last um, to me in many ways Brendan he is uh, the perfect example of what's supposed to happen in Bakersfield and the guys like Dave Manson and Jay Woodcroft who have helped him so much and now they have an opportunity to see what he does at the National Hockey League level. And you can say the same now about Caleb Jones here who played a couple of games on this homestand. We've got Adam Larson who's likely going to factor in on this road trip as Bob mentioned a few minutes ago, John. But uh, Caleb Jones, do you think that he's going to be with this team for the foreseeable future or is he a name that might end up uh, going back down to Bakersfield for some more ice time? Well, in the end, uh, what's going to happen is, is whether he has to go through waivers or not. And the answer right now is he doesn't. 
Um, so therefore, um, it's easier to move him than it would be to move some of the some of the the veteran guys. But uh, you know what? When you play in the NHL, uh, you you have to have more than six defensemen. You know, there are, by the time you get to the playoffs, you probably will have played 10. Um, so there's room, there's going to be room, maybe not on a day to day basis, but there's going to be room for all of the young guys to contribute at a certain point. And that's, that's exactly what, uh, people in Edmonton know all about this. It has been the discussion for years, not just in, on the blue line, but forwards. Where's the depth? Well, the depth on the blue line seems to be truly improving. Uh, and that's a, that's a real positive. That's a, uh, and, and that's not something that happened come the 15th of August. This is something that the organization has been working on that Keith Gretzky, who's in charge of Bakersfield, understands. And Keith obviously deserves some credit for his role in all of this the last two or three years. So from that perspective, um, depth on the blue line, uh, whether they're there every game or whether they're there for some of the games, it, in the end, it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't make the Edmonton Oilers better in order to get the playoffs. I want to ask you one more thing on the Oilers here, John, before we move on across the league, and that is the power play and uh, penalty kill numbers have just been sparkling, and we're a reasonable chunk into the season right now with the Oilers leading the way on the power play, 31.8%, and third in the NHL on the penalty kill with an 87.7% clip. Is this sustainable now looking because this isn't game 10 or 12 of the season? We're at game 22 and another solid performance over the weekend. Are these numbers relatively here to stay, give or take a couple of positions? Uh, I, I, off the top of my head, Brendan, I would tell you the power play numbers certainly are here to stay. A penalty kill will always be a challenge. Teams will learn to adapt. Um, take, take the PK numbers that are good right now for the time being but i don't see anything and anything stopping or anybody stopping this power play all season long and i think that's the the one big difference that adding james neal uh and the fact that you know leon and connor are just so in sync right now uh, particularly five on four so to me that's the magic that i don't see changing at all this season all right, let's go around the league right now. Toronto appears to be in some hot water, and I'm shaking my head at the headlines that I'm reading talking about does Tyson Berry need to be traded? You've had him on your team for about 20 games, about a quarter of a season, and already the panic button. Um, I could point to any number of factors here out, out of Toronto as to why they're struggling, but I'm curious what you think, and how serious is the situation really, or is just just the media hyping things up a bit? Well, I think there's concern uh, simply because this is a hockey club that if I had told you when the season started that they were going to be 9-9-2 nine, nine, and two after uh, 20 games, I think you would have told me that that's not possible. This team is much better than that. Uh, obviously, the Marner injury hurts. Uh, and the fact that there have been enough changes hurts. And, and that's not just talking about the addition of certain players. Uh, believe it or not, I was joking with a couple of friends of mine earlier today. They, you know, they miss Ron Hainsey. And all, of all people, they miss Ron Hainsey because he was a leader for this hockey club. Uh, he was uh, he was he wasn't spectacular on the ice, but he was solid. He allowed uh, some of the other guys to take a few more risks that worked. It's put a ton of pressure on Morgan Riley. Uh, 
Uh, Travis Dermott, who uh, had a coming out party late last season and then was injured and had surgery, has just come back on the blue line. And that's that truly is where the issue is. It's, it's not as much up front as it is on the blue line. Uh, and I don't know how you fix it. And you're right about Tyson Berry. I, I, you know, Tyson Berry uh, is a certain style player, and I'm not sure it complements, it is complemented by the way Mike wants to coach the game. Um, so the whole concept of moving Tyson Berry now, to me, is a little irrational. Uh, and it might be irrational on both sides, and whether the player wants out or the team pre- is prepared to move him. But to me, it doesn't make much sense to move him right now. I agree, and it just seems so premature in that sense, if that was to be the case. Now, one thing that I guess at this point would not be premature is whether Mike Babcock is going to be the guy leading this team forward. He's had a couple years of run in Toronto, and they haven't been able to get out of the first round. Now they've got the talent that obviously leads the fan base to believe they should be getting out of the first round. But it seems to be the other pieces around them that haven't insulated this team well enough. I thought that it might have been the absence of a guy like a Patrick Marlowe in terms of the leadership that you had mentioned with Hainsey. Um, but obviously the the addition of Jason Spezza not really making up for it. So I guess to just ask you one thing out of all that, is Mike Babcock's job seriously in jeopardy, in your opinion, if they don't turn things around? I do. I do, and I, I, I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with individual players or player leadership or uh, Spezza replacing Marlowe. Uh, I, I, I think that this has a ton to do uh, with being able to deal with younger players. Uh, Mike is a very structured guy. Uh, Mike wants to play the game a certain way. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the same M.O., that some of his younger stars really think it needs to happen. Now, no Marner right now, it's obviously been difficult. John Tavares was out for a while. It was difficult. Um, Austin Matthews is having a pretty good season. It's not as good as Dreisaitl's, but Austin Matthews is having a pretty good season. Uh, but I'm not sure he's motivated enough by this guy. I, I really I really don't. And um, that, to me, is the ability for a coach to talk to his young superstar players. Um, and Mike can sit here and, and talk, you know, socks off everyone uh, but I'm not sure at this point he's he has the ability to communicate directly with some of these young guys and I think that's something that Kyle Dubas is concerned about was concerned about last year uh, and wanted to give Mike one last opportunity to get this team over the hump and it's interesting to me John then that they let DJ Smith head across the province there in the eyes of a team that was rebuilding and wanted somebody who could have that voice with the youth so I don't know if there's necessarily an heir apparent there should Mike Babcock end up getting the axe? Um, we could talk about that quite extensively, John. Well, but well, there, I mean, for the re- for the record here, I mean, if, if if he if Mike is not the coach, then it's Sheldon Keefe. Uh, I mean, there's 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 there there's no question of who the who the coach in waiting is here in Toronto. Okay, gotcha. I appreciate you clarifying that. Um, scary incident in the Canucks Avalanche game on Saturday night, uh, and it was Matt Calvert just kind of awkwardly spinning around, blocking the shot. Uh, off of his ear protector and then he was down on the ice with what we all knew to be a head injury at that time but it wasn't blown down because it happened in the defensive zone and this ultimately ended up allowing the Canucks to tie the game and then emerge victorious John uh, uh, tough tough spot for the official to be in knowing that you're really damned if you do and damned if you don't you've got an injured player but you're also going to negate a scoring opportunity that they did capitalize on what was your take on that incident 
It's interesting. If it had been the home team in that situation and people screaming, would they have blown the whistle? You know, the fact that it was the visiting team uh, and and the home team has the puck and the home team has a chance to score and people are yelling for them to shoot, did that influence the officials? Uh, I think if you, you know, as much as both referees went by the rule of the book, you know, if there's an offensive opportunity, even if the player's down, if if, you, if they feel in their judgment that it's not life-threatening, then play has to continue. Um then that's then they then they did the proper thing. But if you are in the business of player safety now, as everybody's talking about, and I'm talking about player safety with concussions and 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 catastrophic injuries, uh, then I I don't think that they would have been wrong in blowing the whistle. Uh, and I think that the Avalanche have every reason to complain. Uh, that uh, uh, that they should have blown the whistle because they didn't know how serious the injury was to Calvert. But literally, by the rule of the book, the referees did the right thing. I will be interested to see over the next couple of months what Steve Walkham, Colin Campbell, and the group at Hockey Ops do to decide what ha- what happens if this happens again, because that will be the that will be the next test. Will they blow the whistle or will they let play continue? In recent memory, we're starting to see them act quicker and quicker when it does have a direct impact on the game like it did. Not only was it optically not great on Saturday night for the league, but again, the Canucks ended up scoring with the man down and then went back to win the game. You know what I mean? So we're seeing these decisions almost get forced by the fact that you're seeing what can happen if there isn't an alteration made, right? Yeah. You know what? In the end, if, 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 and I think we have to take the league at its word that they really believe in player safety, then the whistles probably should have blown. An exciting day today for uh, a few people, eight inductees and all into the NHL's, or the Hockey Hall of Fame, rather, excuse me, out in Toronto. And uh, I just want to get a thought from you, uh, Haley Wickenheiser, Sergei Zubov, uh, Guy Carboneau, some of the names that are going to be inducted. Uh, always a special night. And um, just maybe your thoughts on, uh, on the 2019 class, if you will. Well, it's a uh, it's a rather different class uh, when you think about what we've seen in recent years. Um, the fact that the uh, the committee was able to acknowledge someone who's been out of the game for 15 years, like Guy Carboneau, uh, to uh, to get this final uh, accolade to his career and be inducted in the Hall of Fame speaks to I think what what people want to know is that it it's more this is about more than goal scoring in the NHL. Uh, the other one I think that is absolutely phenomenal, and you'll hear about it more tonight is uh, the induction of Vaslav Nedimansky, uh the great Czechoslovak player uh, who came to Canada to play in the WHA, played in Edmonton um, when the Toronto Toros or the Birmingham Bulls came to town um, and then uh, went to the Detroit Red Wings and a couple of other teams. Really, his numbers in the NHL were okay, but he's there for his, his greatness uh, on the international stage with Olympic gold and world championships uh, and being the first Eastern European to ever uh, defect and he, where he met the uh, the people from the Toronto Toros in Switzerland and came over and made a difference and he was the beginning of that cutting edge of people like the Stasnys and Mogilny and Fedorov who defected after him. John, always appreciate the time and the insights and uh, we'll hear from you again later in the week. Have a great day, Brendan. Thanks, John.
That is NHL insider John Shannon, and uh, I, I stand corrected here. I'm spouting off as if the uh, the Canucks came back and won that game. They did come back from down two goals and tied it, but it was actually Nathan McKinnon on a ridiculous end-to-end rush in overtime that won the game. So let's uh, let's air that out right now. I do apologize for getting that one wrong, but uh, but still, you look at the Calvert incident and just wonder if that is going to spark any change. It is creeping up on 152, and Edmonton will come back here on Oilers. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now with NHL Today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing. It is Brendan Escott in with you this afternoon on 630 Chad. Hi, this is Jujar Kara from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 12.55 in Edmonton. It is Brendan Escott with you this afternoon on Oilers Now. Still to come on today's show, we'll recap uh, Oilers weekend action as well as Eskimos and their 2019 campaign with the host of Inside Sports here on 6.30. Chad Reed Wilkins coming up after the 1 o'clock news. And then at 1.35, the Edmonton Oil Kings are heading out on a lengthy BC road trip. We'll hear from General Manager Kurt Hill to talk about a recent uh, five or six game scuffle and what's around the corner for them. Right now, though, we're off to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional marketing building tailored branded programs for your team or business where your order done on time every time elite promotional marketing it is a light night in the nhl just two games to speak of anaheim in dc taking on the capitals and arizona hosts the los angeles kings the devils placed veteran goaltender Corey schneider on waivers today and recalled louis Domingue, a first rounder of vancouver at one point schneider was or has struggled mightily with the last few seasons battling injury and consistency issues right now now he's 0-4-1 with a 4-5-9 goals against average and 8-5-2 save percentage. Would have to double check on his cap hit there, but uh, just a tough turn of events. And it's funny being a BC boy, and, and when that trade happened on draft day out in 2013, when they acquired now captain Bo Horvat, one for one for Corey Schneider, who was at that time the starter on the team, there was a lot of vitriol coming back saying, what are you guys doing trading away two starting goaltenders for a guy for one first-round pick? Could they have gotten more? I don't know, but Bo Horvat seems to have panned out. Blues forward Oscar Sundqvist was fined uh, $7,392.47. That is the maximum amount allowable by the collective bargaining agreement for charging Ducks goaltender John Gibson on the weekend. He was penalized for charging and roughing on the play. Connor McDavid named the NHL's first star of the week with his three goals and seven assists across three games. Nathan McKinnon and 
Keith Yandel were second and third stars, respectively. Panthers coach John Quenville became the second coach all-time to reach 900 wins as well. He is second all-time to Scotty Bowman's 1,244. The Bakersfield Condors split two road games against the Colorado Eagles, losing 3-0 on Friday, rebounding 3-2 on Saturday. Tomas Yurcho with a pair of goals for Baco in Saturday's game, while Evan Bouchard with a couple of helpers. Uh, other early start, another early start rather for them on Thursday, the field trip day against the Stockton Heat. That's a 10:30 a.m. puck drop. The Oil Kings, as mentioned, reeling a bit, coming off two losses this weekend. Friday in Medicine Hat, a 5-1 shellacking. Then they were back home yesterday at Rogers Place, and the Brandon Wheat Kings prevailed 5-4 in a shootout. So they're off to uh, Prince George for tomorrow night's uh, season or series opener, rather a road trip opener, if you want to call it that. And the U of A Golden Bears now 11 and one on the year, beating the Regina Cougars 4-2, then nine nothing at the Claire Drake. So Bob falling just short of his uh, over under prediction of the Golden Bears when he said 13 and a half goals. They're on the road in Manitoba this weekend. All right, apologies to studio producer Dustin Kaufman. I've gone overtime here, so we're off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with Reed Wilkins. We're talking Oilers and Eskimos when we come back on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.